Hello, welcome back to Project 99. It is June 4th. Holy shit, made it through May. Um, Six months of the year has gone already. Jesus Six. Christ. Man, that doesn't seem real. Everybody couldn't wait for 2021 to get here, and now it's just like half over. Yeah, I feel like that means I've been sober a lot longer than I thought. My therapist asked me today, I was like, yeah, I've been sober like four months, but I got sober in January, so. New month! Wow. Yeah. Been a long time! Yeah. Woohoo! I was just, I was talking to my friend today, she's like, man, I can't wait until we can go to bars. I'm like, when I officially can, like, just drink to have fun and not to deal with my anxiety, I'll totally do it again. Like, fuck if I know when that's going to be. Yeah. But, uh. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Excited. Can you drink beer? No, I don't drink it. I just don't. I never drank No, I'm talking about, like, before. I never did. You never should probably like, go to beer because you can't. It That's what she was saying. She's like, oh, we should uh, do mixed drinks instead of just straight up drinking from bottles and doing no. shots and stuff. I'm like, beer. Well, I mean, not right now. I just mean yeah. eventually sometime in the future. I know I won't be, uh, I won't avoid alcohol forever. I just. Like 12 ounce like drinks. So See, I had to swear it off because See, I don't, like, I don't as soon like as I would that. like start like drinking a tiny bit, I would be like trying to like throw alcohol down my gullet like as soon as that little buzz part happened i was like trying to get as drunk as possible yeah, and it's because i was dysfunctional and i mean sorry mom but i started drinking when i was yeah. like 14 yeah. never had a fucking problem with it until like my life got real chaotic so i'm like yeah you know time to fucking chill out because i always drink beer when i'm here and i apologize oh it never oh, bothers me no it doesn't bother me at you all me not stop because i'm not no, no. no. <laughs> says that i would have you really asked me to though maybe <laughs> everyone always says that too and they invite me they're like oh there's gonna be out i'm like yeah no literally doesn't bother me that's why when I was like, oh, you have, you have a drinking problem? I was like, I don't like to call it that. <laughs> it's like it's not a problem to me. <laughs> you're, you're not going to like yeah. walk by me with a drink and I'm going to fucking like go off the wagon. Like I'm good. I just, I'm just avoiding it for a bit. But yeah, it's funny. But anyway. Um, Although we, have, we could say like if we try to take your alcohol from you, you have to fight us. Oh, no. And that would be a whole nother are you making a joke about me right now no i'm just saying like imagine us two fighting him for a beer would be, oh like, i thought you were making a joke because like yeah. when i w- the last night that It'd i got super adorable. i got blackout drunk right <laughs> and i was like i gotta get sober after this night and in, in january actually i'm wearing the pants that i wore and they have a huge hole in the knee and you can see like the massive scar underneath because i just busted the fuck out of my knee but i was like i gotta get sober because i tried to fist fight someone who took alcohol off of me so i thought you were making a joke about yeah. that oh no it was it bad was relevant just yeah. my tiny fists <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could see myself a third person. Like, see, I've, I've never around you in the world too bad. And you've yeah, drunk, I'm, like, really I'm always drunk. good. I'm always fucking always good. Normal. Yeah, home and be just like, hey, I'm bad when I'm by good. myself. That's the problem. If when I left a crowd of people when I was drinking and I was instantly sober when I got home was by myself, I'd probably be fine. But right. then I get bored and I get destructive and it's like, what a mess. Or if mm. you try to take booze off of me, then then I'm, then I'm going to fight you even though I'm five foot tall. Like, it's just yeah. not good. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> yeah yeah no it'll be fun eventually but you know so what else you got what do you got mick so speaking of addictions um trump is banned from facebook for another two years <laughs> like twitter was actually worse for him than facebook he was like addicted yeah, to twitter, twitter was more a, I, see, I, I never got into twitter and uh me neither really but that was i couldn't imagine somebody was like hey like social media is like a second part of our lives like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I um, network through social media. I saw invites for shows. Right. I keep up with people. So, somebody was like, you can't have this anymore. Like, he had Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, he has these thoughts. I'm guaranteed he has thoughts every day. Like, oh, I'm mad about this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... Tw- I can't. Nobody yeah. cares. Right. <laughs> Nobody can hear me now. I mean, but he had a lot of people who liked him. So, he can't... He couldn't... But he developed quickly other pathways to communicate with the people that want to hear his message. You know, but the blog. I like, yeah. The blog was taken down this month. I mean, this was week. It? 
Oh, they dude. canceled the blog two days, two three days ago because no traffic. Oh, well, a my little bit of, like it was so little traffic, it was embarrassing. So the story, the inside story was he wanted to remove because the traffic was so low, it looked bad on him. <laughs> but his official um, office of the former president no longer there. <laughs> the website no longer there. Oh my god, that's wow. hilarious! Yeah. I know they started their rallies back up. I was reading about that today. Well, I mean, it's amazing what's happening right now on the right wing because it's like the echo chamber continues. Like it's just uh, in a different. It's relocated, but it's just. Um, you know, Sidney Powell, who was one of the attorneys for him during the whole fraud election thing that was made up, um, is like going to these huge events and just continuing to tell nonsense. And people are just like sucking it up because they're in their own echo chamber and they're so desperate for someone to tell them that they're right, that they don't, they don't care all that. It's like an addiction. So I never really got the whole, uh, rally thing. Like with Clinton and Bush and Obama, I don't remember there being like rallies two, three months after they were inaugurated. Mm-hmm. And Trump like went right back to doing rallies as president. Oh, he loved that shit. Like, mm-hmm. And that was weird. Cause I remember I think Obama had one like a year or two after his, like two years to start up his campaign. They were mm-hmm. like, isn't this kind of early? Mm-hmm. And Trump never stopped having rallies. Right, never, no, never stopped. Mm-hmm. Never stopped. Well, in the midterms, he made like, he made, uh, you know, rounds for the people, Republicans running in 2018. So that was kind of an excuse, but like, you're right. He never stopped. And, and I think it's because, you know, they realized that the uh, phenomena that Trump is, is the, you know, interpersonal ex- experience he has with his followers. It's a cult and you can't detach from your cult before too long. And that emotional, like dopamine rush they're getting from him, you know, saying horrible racist stuff they want to say every day <laughs> and can't, um, they, they, they just, they have to have that. And yeah, we got to stay main point of focus. So and don't he get had nothing else. You know what I mean? He didn't have good policies. The ones he did say he was going to do, he didn't do. So he all we had do. was that. All we had was those rallies. Yeah, right. he had no understanding of the uh, process. <laughs> no, at all. And uh, I mean, like I think I said this before last time I was here. He's like their id. You know, for years and years, social media became a thing over the last fifteen years, and, and suddenly we were able to hear each other's views in real time automatically. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up and hearing about, you know, like a show like Married with Children or All in a Family. And like, all oh, this episode was so controversial. It got like 5,000 letters from people angry about it. But now suddenly we saw all these letters on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And suddenly people were making jokes and then they have their nieces and nephews saying, hey, that's not funny. You're a bigot. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they had this president, a guy they've heard of, they knew of for the last 30 years, this symbol of success and suddenly he's like hey you're not wrong right things are changing too fast let's mm. go back to what it was like in the 70s right. and 80s when we could make fun of the gays mm-hmm. and, and make a black joke or a jeer joke and nobody's gonna put that you know put you down right right because everybody's just right. too sensitive right now you're exactly right and he, cancer culture is evil he it's made June people too. he made people comfortable with their racism and comfortable with their you know, homophobia. He just made people feel like they were already that way, but they felt the social pressure of people saying like, that's just wrong. This is being a bad person. And he told them, no, look, I'm the president. I'm saying it's, it's good to be that way. And they're like, yay. Yeah. He didn't create it, but he just, that's how he brought it. It like reminds me of when I was a preteen and that commercial came on that Hillary Duff did where she, she had, I don't know. Somebody was like, that's gay. And she's like, don't say gay is an insult. Like that's rude. Or but she's like, that's not cool. And like they were trying to teach kids that like not mm-hmm. to use gays and insult. Like I remember that because mm-hmm. like we all said it. We all said everything was gay. Like that's mm-hmm. of course. And in the defense there, 
I also knew a lot of gay people pretty personally that also called things gay. Like it wasn't, you right. know what I mean? But there was kind of this shift where people were like, oh, wow, this is actually offending people. Yeah. So we should stop saying it. And then so like everybody but moved honestly, on. I, but I, I can't imagine. Line is where you can still make jokes about stuff because humor was funny. And I don't think people, you know, yeah, like it's not cool to make jokes that are um, derogatory. But like that's half what comedy was. I think you comedy I, mean? I think comedy is still like that. I think comedy... It's still raunchy, especially movies and that. Um, and I think the comics that are fearless and don't like quiver underneath the pressure, like Dave Chappelle, have done really well for themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think Chappelle came out in his one of his first specials with Netflix and came out and said right before it started, "Everything's funny until it happens to you." Mm-hmm. So remember, I'm saying these things to be funny and not to be mean. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's been able to say anything he wanted to for the last three years since the Netflix specials came out. Mm. Fearless. Doesn't have to answer to any sponsors. And I still think comedy Yeah. And, and jokes, people still get jokes in comedy. And I think this whole, like, disdain for cancel culture is overblown. Because I think there are things that people get offended by and, mm-hmm. or upset by, and, and their their feelings are, are real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? it's valid. And I think saying, oh, cancel culture this, cancel culture that, diminishes their feelings. And makes up this whole fake controversy that's, that's not there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you look up any YouTube comedian or anything, like comedy is still comedy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like when people decided that you know during the civil rights movement that okay it's just wrong, like racism is just wrong. There's still a lot of racist, right? But the way that they drove it underground, the reason it wasn't polite to use the N word anymore is because of cancel culture in a sense. Because in a sense, like society said. Like, that's just, like, you could say it openly before, and then people were like, dude, that's not cool. So that's a, a kind of cancel culture, right? Telling people, I don't like that. And so people stopped doing it. But that didn't mean the feelings of it. Yeah, I just, I never away. got that. Because I feel like um, when that happened with, like, the Hillary Duff commercial, specifically what I remember, and, like, a lot of people in my generation, we, like, moved away from saying that word. And I cannot imagine any of my peers, and I've never heard anyone say, like, bitch about the fact that they can't say, oh, that's gay. I've never heard anybody complain about it. Like, you know, all, a lot of older people are like, oh, I can't say that anymore. You hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't say that anymore. You'll get, you know, you'll get canceled for that. And they make those comments. And I'm like, it's weird because I feel like my generation's gone through a lot of that. And like, I never hear anybody my We're age complaining okay. about not yeah. saying th- it. Like, who cares? I think this is mostly media driven because the media will take five tweets that they find and be like, oh, my goodness, this movement's against this or this. Like five random tweets yeah. for people that aren't even like, you know. Nobodies. Yeah, nobodies. <laughs> Being like, oh my goodness, look at the backlash against this episode of The Simpsons. When it's five people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I hate I hate so much when uh, people talk about the movie Tropic Thunder. With uh, You've seen the movie Tropic Thunder? I haven't, but isn't that the one with like Robert Downey Robert Jr.? Robert Downey Jr. And he plays, a, he plays an actor who's so oblivious that he goes into black face to play a black Vietnam um, soldier. So he's oblivious. So he's like, the joke is he's so, um, uh, um, what's that word? Method. He's so method that he painted his face black and he doesn't get, like, he doesn't get it that he shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a great role and he was nominated for an Oscar. This was 2009. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So people were like, you couldn't do that today. No, that was 10, year, that yeah. was 10 years ago. Not mm-hmm. that long ago. The same people in Hollywood are the same people in Hollywood. Right. Like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me. And this was after Iron Man. Don't tell me you couldn't do that today because co- comedy hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. And nobody, nobody in the black community was offended by that. And they're still not offended by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No. So I think that's, it's, I think that was like the Peppy Le Pew thing. The Peppy Le Pew thing about uh, his cancel culture. I'm mm-hmm. like, really? I literally haven't heard anyone calling for the cancellation of this. I feel like they just spun that because Peppy Le Pew's like not in the new Space Jam or whatever. And they're like, oh, he got canceled. And we're like, no, he got cut because nobody likes him. Like, it's there's it's a, a difference. Nobody it likes is. him. Like, wh- like, nobody just, thought it was funny. It's yeah, just like, it's I like mean, saying that just because you're not funny enough to make it into the act that we canceled you. No, we didn't fucking cancel you. Like, you were just awful. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nobody called for Peppy. Change. Yeah, it's like, just maybe there not was a funny group of guys us. back then that were like, "Oh yeah, Peppy Le Pew, he's like pushing." Stuff. Like I don't know. Like maybe those people. Maybe don't they like thought that. it was funny. We don't. We don't think it's funny. But like, not offended. It's just not funny. Like. So our last mic, we have like uh, comments from Pittsburgh coming, and one guy was doing like a lot of like rough humor. You know, it was like pretty much a throwback comic, like a lot of rough humor about you know women and other things and, and fat people and this and that, and. Uh, I was like, oh, I wonder how the crowd's going to take it. And nobody was bothered. Mm-hmm. And he does a joke about Nickelback. And this young lady, um, I'm not going to say her name, flips out. About Nickelback. And I think it's because, I think it was, this was like the tip, I think this was like the, uh, the, uh, the tipping point. Like, you oh, know, this finally got it. That, yeah, that broke the camel's back. <laughs> and she starts screaming like, oh, you're so funny. Put down Nickelback. They're a great band. <laughs> and she starts oh screaming God. in the middle of this guy's act. Not guarantee is all the oh other jokes, God. but this was like the trigger. And uh, the guy was like, "Really? That's the joke that oh my you God. decide to start screaming over everybody?" And she went, she goes off on this guy, oh, and everybody was like, "So she gets she gets kicked out." He's like, "You got to leave. You can't be here anymore." But by guarantee, so the media was there. They were like, "Oh my goodness!" Crowd turns a comic, yeah, for <laughs> jokes about feminism and fat people and. Maybe Nickelback. Yeah, maybe Nickelback. Yeah, Drew and I were actually watching. Um, I always say his name wrong. Uh, Ricky Gervais, Gervais or Gervais. I always say his name wrong. But uh, we were watching some of him, and some of the bits that he does are so fucking hilarious. Like he does a whole one about Humpty Dumpty, fucking cracks me up. Joey, Joey and I watched one together that was like, I don't know. He's talking about elephants swimming in the water and like being out where they're not supposed to be, and like I, he just does this whole fucking bit, and it's hilarious. But then Drew and I tried to watch it one night and he was doing all these bits like making fun of fat people and like transgender people. And it's clearly like a dated act. Um, and it's like, man, there's like really not anything anybody can't joke about with me that I'd be like, oh, even though you probably shouldn't say that, it's still, you know, I can determine whether it's funny or not, even if I'm like, mm-hmm. it's funny, but you can't say that because you might hurt somebody's yeah. feelings. But like, I was like listening to it and I'm just like, you know what the thing about this is, is that it just isn't funny. Yeah. That's why it's cringy because it's like, it sounds like you have a personal like when he was talking about women. I'm like, this isn't funny because it sounds like you have a personal vendetta. It's real. Like it's yeah. real. Like you're not you're not making jokes about something you witnessed. You're like you're like angry at your ex wife or something. Yeah. Like I think it's we, weird. We can tell though as a society like what was said out of malice and what was said to try to be funny. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Eddie Murphy, his earliest oh, was in Raw. So yeah. funny. He did jokes about gays. Yeah. He's like, I can tell. When a fag is looking at my, my yeah. ass when I'm on stage because yeah. my ass get hot. And uh, yeah. he does jokes <laughs> about like, oh, so funny. that are so outdated. Like he talks about his uh, his wife's gay friend kissing him and uh, kissing his wife on the cheek and him kissing his wife on the cheek and getting AIDS. That's how early in the AIDS epi- epidemic oh it was that he thought he could get AIDS from kissing his wife who got kissed on the cheek by her gay friend. And uh, that's the joke. That's the punchline. Yeah. And. Uh, Nobody can't. Nobody's canceled Eddie Murphy. Yeah, no, it's just mm-hmm. not funny. We understand this was like '83, right? Right. Um, so nobody's canceling him. But on but the we idea, know that joke's not funny anymore. Yeah, like, right. you can't do that funny. joke anymore. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and on the idea of cancel culture, like I feel like our capitalist society has created an environment where, like, we have very little power, but 
We know we can vote with our fucking dollar. Right. Because that's the almighty dollar rules I know, everything in life. So like if somebody comes out. Culture, but they love capitalism. It's weird. If somebody comes out with something and it's so offensive that you're like, I'm not going to go see your movie because I think you're a disgusting human being. And they're like, oh, it's cancel culture. No, because you don't get to tell me how to spend my money in this capitalist world that you forced me to live in. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree with that. 100%. That's the I think power that about, we have. Is like I think that about people think I'm money. weird all the time because they'll be like, oh, I got it at Walmart. And I'm like, oh, I don't shop at Walmart anymore. I haven't for years. I only shop, I only go to Kroger. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because Kroger's a union. Walmart's not a union. I don't like that. You know something about the Eddie Murphy, uh, all the gay jokes he did in the early 80s? Yeah. He was caught with a, a, a transsexual um, prostitute in the, in the late 90s. And I was always wondering, like, always thought to myself, like, was he just, you know, um, is this like a guilty pleasure? Was that why he was so angry in the early 80s? Or? I mean, I don't know. Is he making the jokes out of anger? Or I mean, because I, I, yeah. I, I just, I think about a lot of the things, like growing up, before we moved out in the country and we lived in the city, it was my mom and dad, me and my brother, and their friend, Bill, who was gay, who lived with us. I like, grew up with him. And he, he made a lot of really raunchy gay mm-hmm. jokes all the time mm-hmm. and used derogatory, like I, one time, and I repeat from him, he had a friend who was of some kind of like Mexican maybe or mm-hmm. uh, Spanish. I, I don't know. I was a kid. I don't remember. But he called him a bean queen. Mm-hmm. And it was like he made jokes like that all the time, but it's like he was gay. So nobody cared because yeah. he's allowed to make well, fun of it or whatever. So it's like, but when you grow up around that, mm-hmm. I feel like I've also made a lot of jokes like that. And I've had to learn that like, you got to know what audience you're in. Because yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. everybody in my house knew like, oh yeah, we, it's just, you know what I mean? Like we just knew it was cool, but you take that outside, you got to. What's what I say about the N word? You know, you guys, like, oh, you can say it, but I can't say it. Like, well, context is a huge thing. Right. Yeah. Like, I've been, I've been like thing. around a, a lot of gay peers and, and they've said slurs to each other, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm. calling each other sissies and faggots and all this type. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Word. I mean, I said the word in, con- you know, anyways. Right, in context. Yeah. Um, but I know I can't say that, right? Because mm-hmm. for, you don't you have no, you don't know where I'm coming from, you know? Right? Yeah, you just you never know. Yeah. So if right. another black person calls me the N word, I know he's not coming at me from a threatening angle, right? Yeah, I know where I know where right, yeah, I know yeah. where he stands. I say that Trust all the time. Me. I had this I had this conversation at work a couple of weeks ago. So people are like, "Oh, cancel culture," and you know, people can't take jokes. And I was like, you know, I think part of the problem is, is that people stopped learning how to uh, know their audience. I mean, right, we were yeah. always taught like about mixed company jokes. You know what I mean? Right. And you're like, you don't go to your grandparents' house and make some racy joke. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. disrespectful. You don't do that. So people I'm like, I feel like that, yeah. people have lost that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and it's not know, really being fake. It's just being respectful of people. Right. It is. It is. And is like it that hard. You know, to figure it out. I make jokes around my friend Drew that probably sound like the most derogatory things towards women. But I would never make those jokes around other women who didn't specifically know that I was doing right. it to be ironic. You know what like, I mean? Some of my close friends will like joke me because I get a little bit upset about chauvinism. <laughs> And they'll be like, make me a sandwich. Like, just a You know what I mean? And it's, it's funny because I know, like, they're just doing it just a fuck with me. Right. I mean, you got to know your audience. That's that's why I don't know how I would do stand-up. I really don't. Because I feel like, how do you know your audience? That's that's a hard one. <laughs> so speaking of capitalism and cancel culture, J.P. Morgan has decided to freeze political giving to Republican candidates who supported the January 6th insurrection. That is phenomenal. So that is insane. Whoosh. Yeah, I cannot look. believe they actually like. There's did that. only two things that I I have like this aberration for, and it's J.P. Morgan <laughs> and Republicans. <laughs> so I'm kind of like ah, I don't know, kind of conflicted on this. It's like seeing one person you hate, like this another person you hate. But 
I think it's a good thing because basically they've decided a certain element of the Republican Party. They are a terrorist organization. Right. They have decided there was last week there was a meeting somewhere in Texas, a uh, convention or some kind of rally where General Flynn, Michael Flynn was there, the QAnon leader of the QAnon group. And one of these people was asking him like, well, that thing that happened over there in Myanmar, why can't we have that happen here? And he's like, there's absolutely no reason why it should happen here. So you have an ex-general from the military advocating a violent overthrow of the government. And I'm like, is anybody hearing this? Like, free speech only goes so far before it's like, you're in, this is treasonous. Like, this guy is literally trying to spur people on and organize and create a group of people that will overthrow the government. Like, So, with social media, again, I think it has accelerated social change a lot faster. Like, especially with the LGBTQ community, I think social media was the biggest catalyst that we saw, that we saw, like, when I was, like, in the early 2000s, you couldn't see a TV show with a gay character. Mm-hmm. And through social media and, and advocacy, suddenly, you know, Pride's, like, one of the biggest yeah. celebrations, you know, yearly. And Flynn and, and Giuliani and, and Trump, to a um, bigger extent, are part of the generation that don't that are that feel lost now yeah because the world's changed so much over the last 15 mm-hmm. years and they're clamoring from for the 70s and the 60s and, and mm-hmm. 50s and making a white majority you know, yeah back you know because they're so confused and the obama thing yes caused a psychotic break a psychotic break mm-hmm. that's why like i said i mentioned before if you look at polls in 2008 west would have went to hillary Mm-hmm. If she won the dom- nomination, mm-hmm. like Democrats would have voted for her, and she would have won, the, she would have won West Virginia in the general election, and Obama loses it by thirty points, forty points. There was a break there, and there's also a break with social media. So Flynn is is an older man. He doesn't know what's going on. He's lost, mm-hmm. and he clings to this conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way we're wrong. There's no way we're out of touch. Mm-hmm. There's no way that this this guy's a liar and a thief, mm-hmm. and, and, you know. Well, Obama fired Flynn, too. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And that oh, he's has, got a vendetta. And that has to hurt, too. The, this uh, community leader from Chicago, Ivy League guy, fired me. So you, mm-hmm. you cling to these conspiracy theories that make you seem to mm-hmm. be the righteous. Vindicates you, yeah. Vindicate. Well, and to tie that thread even further back, like the, the first massive psychotic break that of the people that are alive right now in the boomer generation was the Vietnam War. Mm. Because in other wars that the United States fought, it was like people had patriotism, they went and signed up, and they were just like, yeah, and like Vietnam was kind of like people were saying, we're not, we're not going in there and fucking fighting this war. Forget about it. We'll go to Canada first. We're not fighting this ridiculous war. And so the country split like in half. You know, and you had the hippie and the drug culture, the drop, tune in, drop out, or whatever culture. And then you had the, you know, crew cut joined the military like the country literally cracked and the civil rights had a big part to do with that so you know you get this big split so that was the first crack for the boomers and then you know because they were like you know teenagers at that time vietnam was so destructive it was like, traumatic to the country I, saw, I, had a, I had a cousin who passed away uh, last month and his father died in vietnam and i didn't know much about his father um uh, but that i looked into it and he was drafted mm. and he, he had to sign up in june and by November, he was gone. Mm. He died in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And how does that affect his son? Exactly. And his grandson. Mm-hmm. And his great-grandson not to have that, that pillar there anymore. Yeah. 
from Absolutely. this dwarf. Just two yeah. years ago. Uh, Fifty years ago. Her uncle, my my great uncle, um, passed away, and he mm-hmm. was a Vietnam War vet, mm-hmm. and he didn't talk about it a lot. But I just I remember specifically asking him one time. He had a tattoo of dice on his arm, and I was like, "What's with the dice?" You know. And he was a tunnel rat, I guess, in Vietnam. And he was like, every single day that you go in the tunnel, it's like a live or die. It's like a roll of a dice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, bro, that's that's wicked. Like, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, he never talked about it. He was like pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. But um, and I think that was the first war where there was a, a large segment of but the I think United it, States population. I think that, that affected a lot too in your family because he went, but his brother, my, my grandfather, dad. her dad, didn't go, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. or like went and he didn't serve. He didn't like go to Vietnam. But his, mm-hmm. I mean, my uncle, my, my great uncle did. So I'm like, what kind of dynamic do you think that created in that family where he went and fought and you didn't? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that kind of shit. You know crazy though? <laughs> shapes people. But the suicide rates of veterans that people don't talk about. Oh, yeah. Super Most high. of these suicide rates are from the Vietnam generation. I'm not surprised mm-hmm. by that. Mm-hmm. That they're in, the, in their 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. they're, they're checking out early. So it's not so much. I mean, there's a lot of young veterans and young people in the Army. But the majority. The, the biggest percentage are these veterans from, from the Vietnam War. And that's what I'm saying. I well, think it's a combination lost. of those they two things. They probably never thought they'd make it that far, honestly. You know, like I was saying, I think Vietnam is like the first war where a, a big segment of the population actually empathized with the enemy, quote, enemy people over there. Like, you weren't ever supposed to do that. Like, if you didn't think, you know, like, I mean, Germans <laughs> killing Jewish people, that's that's easy to, to hate on them, you know what I mean? But there was a lot of racism, but a civil war too. Getting into the middle of the civil war, and plus everybody was questioning the government. Then, anyways, you know, mm. the government mm-hmm. was not the the government was the enemy to half the, the country, right? Right. Uh, and the government was doing shady things, anyways. So that's, that's right. probably justified. Yeah. And and, the, uh, and a lot of that got exposed in the church committee investigations, where they were, you know, uh, digging into what the CIA was doing with MK Ultra and all that stuff. All of that kind of came out. You know, uh, and so we had the Vietnam War and the civil rights and that like ripped the country all up. Then you had this uh, complete realization that the government conducted experiments on their own people. Like people's Mm -hmm. idea of the United States government went from patriotic to in the crapper. And then by the time you and that's where you get like this Alex Jones guy, right, that comes out. And at first he's talking about all of the actual legitimate things the government did that are horrible. And when the Bush family decided to go over and kill a bunch of people in Iraq based on a lie, he was against that and said they should be prosecuted as war criminals. Isn't it crazy to think that? But then after Obama, he cracked and went the other way. So I think Mm. it's a culmination of that, like, right wing plus, you know, racism thing. You know what's interesting about the civil, like, uh, not civil, but the uh, Vietnam Vietnam War is uh, talking about the figures of of the 60s is uh, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Like I guarantee, I wasn't there. I was. I mean, I'm not a little bit younger. But talking about Kaepernick, there is no way that Ali was not hated more than Kaepernick is today. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. The, America hated Ali, mm-hmm. and they wanted Joe Frazier to, to destroy him. He was like public enemy number one. Mm-hmm. And you fast forward 20, 30 years later, and his choice is like we portrayed as like heroic. Right. Like Will Smith makes a movie and him being like, I'm not going to Vietnam. I'm avoiding this draft. I'm not going to dodge it. I'm right here and you can do whatever you want to, you know, take my uh, license away, whatever. And that's uh, that was heroic. And that's it's amazing how um, perception changed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So now we're, I think, feel like we're just kind of like bouncing around trying to find ourselves as a country. Because to me, you know, I came from that old conservative family where 
loving your country meant, you know, being in the military, believing everything your government told you, whatever. And I'm like the opposite of that. Like, I think patriotism is holding the government accountable. And like the, the most, um, you know, the fact that we started as a country was because England was being corrupt. And we were like, no, you know, we're not dealing with that anymore. We're going to be, we're going to, we're going to set up a just system. But then they screwed it up right from the get go, you know, but so I'm like anti-trusting of the government, but I don't go so far as like the right-wing people that think the best thing is to destroy all government. Like I think that's right. A, There's such a thing as like reform. Too. We can reform yes, it. We can reform. I think the biggest like icon of this whole idea of like this this country's changing. Like I'm like I can't like move with the country is Clint Eastwood. Like you look at the movie like uh, Gran Torino where he plays the. Uh, a protagonist mm-hmm. who's just an old guy that says a bunch of racial slurs but don't worry he has a heart, heart of gold he's digging mm-hmm. down even though he's very offensive and nasty and racist he's the good guy here and you know he actually cares about these people and then you go in and he does uh, American Sniper where you know don't question anything like anytime anybody questions the uh, the war they, they're painted out as crazy or, or a bad guy um, nothing ever bad happens to our antagonist uh, mm-hmm. this sniper even when he's reckless, everything kind of comes out, and he's still like heroic. Even though he's, you know, it's, it's insane. But the government was right. Like the, our our cause cause was right. Everything we what we were doing was right. Nine Eleven was the reason we were over there. The movie applies. Have you seen the movie? Mm-mm, no. American Sniper. Well, Isn't that that's one about Chris Kyle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one scene that you see like the World Trade Center is falling. Next scene he's in Iraq as a sniper. So like, oh, okay, we're in Iraq because of nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's very propagandistic. Yes. Game. Have you seen the movie? No, but I know a lot about the story oh, behind sh- it. You have to, you have to, you Everything have to... about Chris Kyle was a, it, what a media frenzy there. Yeah. They created a hero out of a guy that was extremely. It reminds me of the, I just watched the documentary about it. What was the guy I told you? He was a football player and like after 9 11, oh, yeah, instead yeah, of taking yeah, the yeah. contracts, he went over there and he died. And so they made this story up that he got killed doing something heroic and it turned out he got most killed friendly by friendly fire. fire. Yeah. Most, most troops over there do. Yeah. And I forget what the guy's name was, but oh. uh, his brother got up at the funeral and was just because they made it this big political John circus. Was there, yeah. And he was like, he didn't believe in God. Basically, like, you guys are fucking making a circus out of it. Like, didn't give a fuck. The brother just, like, straight up was just like, yeah, he didn't mm-hmm. fucking believe in God. Like, he's, name, like, he's dead now, Tim so. Tom or Tom? I don't remember Tiller, what his name Tillerson. was. Tillerson. Tillerson, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Tillerson. Well, you have the, so, you have, like, Eastwood from this generation. He's, like, 85, 87. That can't, like, let go of this, you know, I'm okay even though I hate these other races. <laughs> yeah. Don't question the government. Our troops are always the good guys. Right. Even when we do wrong, we're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Star Spangled, you know, propaganda Bullshit, yeah. that he. Mm-hmm. Even what's his his newest uh, movie? I've never seen anything about with the him. Uh, um, Atlanta um, Olympic bomber. Okay. Yeah. So, the, so remember when the media blamed the wrong guy? Right. Right. So the whole movie is about how the media slandered this poor guy. Claiming that he was the bomber and how bad and evil the media is, and this this random security guy was like really the hero who saved so many mm-hmm. lives. So it's like, oh, the media is horrible. And somebody who's like liberal Hollywood for 20, 30 years suddenly is just like, I want to go back to the old times. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this new new America. But like they spread them, they they spread the message. TV and movies. I mean, even in CIA documents, like you find out that they used Hollywood to convey propagandist messages to people. To oh, make absolutely. People think Have you guys ever... So every time I watch a show on TV, I'm like, 
what's the real message? That's here? why like, I hate let's Elvis. forget about the, what's actually happening. Like, what's the underlying psychological tool that you're working That's on? That's why right I hate now? Elvis, man. Elvis was a he was so pissed off by the time that his music career was basically over and the Beatles and everybody were taken over. Nobody wanted to fucking listen to Elvis anymore. And they wanted like the Beatles and shit. So Elvis like creeps on in to try to kiss the feet of Nixon. I think basically he was like to, a southern like i don't want to say i don't know if he was racist or not but he was like very conservative elvis was all about like let me basically be a double agent and get him with these counterculture people and then like basically use it against them like he he wanted to play double agent i'm like what a shit bag who's that one producer fuck elvis ah man come on his name producer from the 50s and 60s he did Thriller. The guy who produced Thriller and a bunch of other things. Oh, I know you're talking about. But he came out last week and he's like, why did you ever work with Elvis? Because he's like, oh, we understood that Elvis was racist. And we didn't <laughs> want to deal with Elvis. Yeah, there wow. you go. I and mean, he was a horrible Richard actor. Jewell. Richard Jewell was the uh, Clint Eastwood movie about, you know, how bad the media is. Oh, they yeah. That was the name of the accused the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Never. I don't think I've ever seen anything with Clint Eastwood in it. So let's see. What other stories do we have to talk about today? So, um... I just kind of want to throw this out there because last week we, we were talking about genetics or whatever. Um, you know, my mom was recently diagnosed with cancer and like diagnosed very late in her cancer. And so like we've been doing a lot of research on different therapies and things. And um, unfortunately, because her cancer is very advanced, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a limitation to what miracles you can expect doctors to, um, to do. But um, this one article I found on a Healthline talks about the ketogenic diet and how, um, you know, cancer cells can't survive on sugar. So if you basically go on a no sugar diet, a ketogenic diet, if you have a tumor, the t- cancer cells can't grow anymore. Is that real? If you're that on a keto real. diet. If you're on a keto diet. So, like, they're not advocating, like, oh, just give up any kind of cancer therapy. But what they're saying is, like... It can be helpful. Literally, it can be helpful because it needs... Cancer cells need sugars to propagate, to spread, to grow. Hmm. So, they've shown that tumors can be halted in their tracks. So, it's not going to necessarily get rid of the tumor that's there. But, like, it's going to stop it from growing, multiplying, and continuing to invade your body if you're on a ketogenic diet. Which is mind-blowing. And I'm thinking, like... Okay, you know, more people, many, as many people, if not more people, die every year from cancer in the United States is coronavirus, and, like, we don't ever talk about it. Like, I feel like the media gives uh, people this false idea that, you know, you can live so much longer these days, and you're going to be, like, living older and healthier, and you're not going to know anything's happening until, like, just suddenly you die when you're, like, 100 years old. And, like, that's total bullshit. Like, people's health starts declining. You know, and I just feel like the media is makes you feel like if you're old and you start having problems, like you're just supposed to hide it because nobody wants to know that when they're going to get old, they're going to get sick and have problems. Well, probably because it brings it all back to the healthcare argument. Right. And healthcare is horrible. And I think my mom was like diagnosed really late because of negligence. Um, you know, the insurance companies will pay for like a million tests and don't, they don't say like, okay, we've well, done all these tests and, uh, you know, they're kind of showing some things here, but there's no like treatment plan. Like, you know, even in mental health, like you diagnose somebody, there's like a treatment plan you're supposed to follow to help that person. So if you have all these indications and blood work and scans and all this stuff, this person has cancer, like you have no treatment plan. You didn't do any therapies. You didn't do anything like, so that's frustrating, but I just think that's part of the whole capitalist system. But another thing, I just think like uh, there's not enough focus on science in our country. I mean, I'm not, you know, very good, very good at like 
chemistry or math or any of those kind of things. But like, I think if we teach kids a lot more about these developments that are happening, like, you know, kids will grow up with a better understanding of all of this stuff. Oh, for sure. Up until probably high school, I was convinced that uh, cancer 100% was a death sentence, that there were no other options. And then I heard about somebody um, who was a friend of mine's grandfather getting experimental treatment um, that completely cured his cancer. And I was like, what do you mean experimental treatment? And like, dude fucking lived for like 15 more years, totally fine, right. completely healthy. And it was like, he had a couple other weird complications from it mm-hmm. that um, I wouldn't say negatively affected his life. It was definitely, I mean, he would have died if he wouldn't have got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that more and more. I mean, I, I worked with somebody who got diagnosed with pancreas cancer mm-hmm. and he's like in his seventies. I mm-hmm. mean, he's pretty, it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And basically they told him he had like six months to live. It was really fucking bad. And he went and got experimental treatment. And then mm-hmm. just recently they like all the nurses and everything like signed the certificate for him. They sent him home totally cancer free. Mm-hmm. And I'm awesome. like, what the fuck? Like apparently so, this is more common. These experimental right. treatments are becoming more common. So they've been doing, like, they've been doing this g- genetic modification and ex- experimenting with different things like for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And the reason I started reading about it was because of coronavirus. Cause I wanted to understand how the MRNA, you know, vi- the, the coronavirus vaccine worked. Um, so I started reading about that, and then I heard a guy on TV say, um, one of the scientists say that, um, well, in a few years, we could apply the same technology to a, can- a vaccine for cancer. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, when you get cancer, basically one of your cells just mutates randomly and becomes cancer, and your immune system doesn't recognize it, so it continues to grow inside of you. But, like, if you get a cancer cell, a cell that mutates into cancer, and I get a cell that mutates into cancer, the mutation where it mutates in the, in the DNA is, is not the same place. So I'm thinking, well, how would they develop a vaccine? Because they would have to take the DNA from your cancer cell, right? And, like, figure, like, use it. To, that's what they do. Like right. They use your cancer cell to develop a vaccine to that cancer, which is so crazy. And, I mean... They have all these different therapies out there now. There's absolutely nothing in my mind that would convince me that politics and not wanting to change some of the core structures of our country are the reason why medical care suffers so much here. Absolutely. I mean, especially you think they say about cancer all the time is the, the, the most important thing you can do is preventative things. Right. Um, And we know like don't smoke, you know, smoking is really bad. Smoking causes a lot of cancer. But if you look at cancer deaths just on a map of like the United States, mm-hmm. we right here are in a horrible area for cancer. Mm-hmm. We're like number, top three in mm-hmm. cancer deaths. And it's like, well, why? And you start looking at all these different things. Pollution. Part of it is pollution. Mm-hmm. But if we if we tell people that, like say everybody in West Virginia, you know, we drop our obesity rates, we drop our smoking rates, all of these things, and people are still dying of cancer at a pretty accelerated rate from the rest of the country, we're going to have to start looking at the fact that it's super polluted here. You know what I mean? And and then that now we have to start making changes because we're letting people die and it's like changes cost money we don't want to do any of that right and another thing too that was interesting about that book was that it talked about how um when they needed a a vaccine for coronavirus they decided it wasn't going to be about profit where all of the scientists are going to share all the information no one's going to try to get ahead of somebody because of copyright to get money that comes with the copyright so the sharing of information went back and forth just exploded the the development of the vaccine like it rapidly accelerated because people weren't holding back information from each other because like well I they were like get, oh shit yeah we gotta get like, this out. i want to get the yeah you know, right exactly so i mean there you go again like bottom-up solutions people could all like not be cutting each other's throat but like working together how much better things could work out and also um they have a blood test now 
where it can test for people to determine if they are, so if they have no symptoms whatsoever, it can determine if they're going to get cancer in like four years. And like, well, how the hell does that happen? So it looks at your blood and it looks for something called methylation. And don't ask me to explain what that is, but it's um, kind of an indicator that your body is like already experiencing some kind of mutation that's going to probably turn into cancer. And it gives them a huge head start because the biggest thing with the cancer therapies we have available today is how early you find it. And that's a problem because most of the time, like my mom, last year, the first time she started having problems, she's been a smoker. She quit smoking. She thought she's actually on the upper end of like, you know what I mean? When she quit smoking, but, um, she got really sick in March and then by May she had to go to hospital. So this has been like over just like a year. She's mm-hmm. just super declined. And I mean, once it, it happens gets, fast. Yeah. Once it gets infiltrated into your body, like it's that much harder to fight. So the fact that they have this test now that can predict one to four years ahead of time, whether you're going to get cancer is like unbelievable. So uh, the article that I'm reading this from is in, called, it's in a European scientist, europeanscientist.com about the um, simple blood test can detect cancer years before symptoms so if you want to go ahead and check that out but um i just feel like i'm finding out all this oh the test the blood test is called pan seer p-a-n-s-e-e-r i'm sure it stands for something it's an anagram for something but um you know the fact that we have all these developments out there i feel like it's not meeting the human level like there's all of this technology but it's not getting like down to the people where it's being put to use you know what i mean so that's kind of depressing. I was laughing the other day because I don't know if you've seen the ads for it. I'm sure you have, Jermaine, because it's fucking everywhere um, on YouTube and shit for the show on Amazon Prime called Panic. I saw like a little um, clip, but uh, I don't watch. Uh, I, I don't watch that YouTube. shit either. But well, I mean, I, I don't pay for I YouTube. YouTube Premium, I don't have that shit. So mm-hmm. I had to sit through this. But OK, so I had to sit through this ad of the show Panic. And from what I can gather is that it's some kind of game that these seniors from high school play to try to win some prize. Um, But the girl says something about needing to afford college. So I'm like, you're playing this game that's essentially a super dangerous fear factor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just so you can afford college, I'm like, American fucking... This is is definitely an American TV show. Mm -hmm. Like, this shit is really... How how is this? I don't know how people don't see the ad for the show or watch the show and be like, wow... If this show wasn't created to show how dystopian America is, then right. it's so tone deaf. Yeah. I mean, it's like how people make the joke about Breaking Bad. Like, teacher turns to meth dealer so he can afford cancer treatments. Yeah. What an American idea. Like, I mean, it's so sad. Man, I don't know when this shit's going to change. Great show, though. It was a great show. You could do that shit in the UK because, oh, we have healthcare. <laughs> That's why they don't have their own Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> it would never work there. It would not make zero sense because people wouldn't understand it. They'd just be like, why doesn't he just... Go That's to the why doctor, they like, have less meth and crime over there. Whoop de doo, UK. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just so I feel like we're so close to some kind of change in the healthcare industry in this country because it can't just stay this broken. I feel like the Obama era was when people Obamacare. So mm-hmm. many people were on board with that. Came out and were like, Obamacare saved my life. You right. know what I mean? And it just started this conversation of just having healthcare save their lives. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So there are these guys that are called like, they're like. I'm so tired of people in the generation above me, not even just boomers, but Xers too, mm-hmm. that are like, well, I didn't have health insurance when I was your age. And I'm like, 
and so fucking what? Even yeah. if I have to go the rest of my life paying but for my own health insurance. But you know what's funny though? When I those, want other younger generations. But when they got be, older, they voted so they would have it when they're old age, didn't they? Yeah, well, it just kills me. I, even if I have to go every single day struggling for it or paying for it or having subpar health care, I'm going to want the people below me to have something better. Yeah. Right. Why do you want people to suffer? Yeah. Like what? what is the deal with it? It's the same thing with student loans. Well, I had to pay mine back. Well, it's part of that mentality well, it's like, of it's like, like pull yourself people, up by the bootstraps and you got to earn what you, it's meritocracy. It's that, that would bullshit. be like people telling other people, well, we have a new drug that cures cancer, but we have all these people that already died of it. So fuck you. You can't have it. Like right. it makes no sense. Right. So another interesting point about that was, you know, what he was saying about people clinging to the past. So the guy, you know, Watson and Crick, we learned in science class about, they were the ones that discovered the, the double helix. And uh, there was always this controversy that they stole the, 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 the picture that Rosalind Franklin took of the DNA and used her picture to basically figure the rest of it out. Um, and as it turns out, Watson is, was, you know, quite the misogynist, and also he's a racist. And, um, you know, in his later years, there was this big uh, debate over, how, like, you know, eventually they took all of his stripping arm- him of everything. Yeah, yeah, they took everything off of him because he couldn't stop saying that whites are intellectually um, superior to blacks, and it's it's genetic. And um, you with know, no proof for that. With zero proof, he just fucking said it. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. <laughs> okay. But here's the thing, because he was such a high level, respected scientific mind, when he said a racist thing, like a lot of the people out there were like look you know what it is other scientists know it's true but they're too politically correct to say it and watson wasn't afraid to say that it's true yeah why do they cling to that i don't understand because that's what it is if you get a quote respectable person to agree with your racist position then it's like huh you know, it's oh, not yeah. just crazy people in Kentucky that. That's live how in I learned about uh, confirmation bias. That's how I learned about who Candace Owens was. Oh man, because I don't, I never knew who that was. And yeah. it's like she's like I'm the, sorry, she's like Tommy <laughs> Lauren, but um, a black woman. Yes. Yeah. And um, who blames pe- absolutely everything that happens to a black person on a, on the black yeah. person? Yeah, yeah. I never knew who that mm-hmm. was, and then I like all these conservatives kept like that in my life kept like using her. And there's like two guys too that are brothers. Oh man, they don't sound very bright either. And they and they yeah. like people use they them. They the show brightest. me the videos, and like now I know I predicted every time when they're like, well, not all black people think that. Look they at were, the and they show the video the of these well, two brothers. Well spoken or um, every time silk and uh, oh diamond sapphire. and silk diamond and silk, and their gimmick is they look like you know what a uh, Trump supporter would imagine uh, Obama supporter yes. would like, mm-hmm. and they have their own show in Newsmax, and that's their gimmick. They look like they would be Obama supporters. Because they're heavier set, sassy black women. But oh, oh, baby, I love me some Trumps. <laughs> and they will post them all the time. <laughs> oh, talk about this more. Is, uh, um, uh, you should look into it. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's the uh, model minority um, issue. Is how uh, America and the government will use Asians as a model minority. To, to kind of put down other minorities. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can see that. 100%. So in the 1800s, um, Asians were put down horribly. Then there were even laws put in place to mm-hmm. avoid um, Chinese mm-hmm. immigrants to come over here and take labor jobs. And this was the case for 100 years, even in World War II, even though America is the biggest ethnic group in America is German-Americans. 
And German-Americans even went back to Germany to fight in World War II for Germany. For Germany. We locked up all the Japanese. Right. Because they can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Cold War happens. Issue is, we need these Asian countries to side with us. Vietnam, we want them to side with us. And these other Asian countries. So we start building up and showing off our Asian immigrants. And showing all these success stories and how great they're doing in America. Mm-hmm. And you want capitalism and you want to come to America. And we want you to come to America. Mm-hmm. But we only want the best ones. Yes. The best Chinese Americans, the best Korean Americans, and the best Indians. And we take in the best of the best. That's why we have a huge influx of, of doctors and, and lawyers mm-hmm. and, and well-respected people in these communities. The best and the brightest. We take the best and the brightest. But then the government in the 70s and 80s start studying and taking the, the uh, samples from these communities um, of the best and the brightest because no, I don't care what anybody says, you go to any country and it's like America. Like you go to India right now, even though the American stereotype of Indians is, oh, they're just so bright and hardworking and this and that. Yes, we took the best and the most hardworking and the brightest, mm-hmm. but you go to India and it's just like, it's like America. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have, it's America, you know? Right, like, yeah. do you see this they have their COVID? own problems. Yeah, yeah, you see this in COVID too. Like they're doing yeah. stupid shit over there too, as well. Yeah, like, oh, absolutely. let's hang out and party here. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, um, it's like mono race. It's more monoracial there, I think. But like they have the caste system, and people yeah. that are in the lower caste are just right. horribly treated, yeah. even though they made it illegal. The caste system is legal, just like civil rights. You can put it on the books, right? But yeah. you can't eliminate that from right. society. Absolutely. So even though, like, so there's no studies to show that any race is more is, is smarter or harder working than another race. It's just that doesn't factor in. But what you can do is say, hey, let's study the Indian and, and the and the Chinese culture we have in America. And say, hey, whoa, they're doing really well here. Why can't the blacks do the same and the, and the Hispanics? It's because they're, they're just not as hardworking as the, uh, the Indians and, and, and the Chinese. And for the last 30 years, that's been used against that's them. That's the propaganda. That's, and, that, that, and that's the propaganda. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, narrative. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I can right. see that. And, and you know, there's when I was reading about uh, a lot of these right-wing groups and how they, they actually get people that are considered respectable people and those are the people, like we're saying, that like they cling on to as as verification that they're not wrong, and they're just looking for that confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. But if it just comes from like your cousin, like somebody could be like, "So what? Your cousin told you that? Like maybe your cousin's a dumbass too." But like if a former general or you know a, a scientist, a high level scientist makes a statement, those people feel even more validated in their opinion. And like even though the so when the colleges were like, listen. He's been given multiple opportunities to recant his racist comments or back them up with anything scientific whatsoever. They stripped him of all his shit. Now, what did the conservatives do back then when that happened? They said, they left on it. Oh, they're canceling him. Yeah. In fact, he was so poor, he sold his Nobel Peace Prize to get money. And a Russian oligarch bought it. And gave it back to him. Because Russia has some serious race issues too. Ooh, yeah. And Russia got some serious all over issues. Right. But I don't know how anybody like it, it's weird to me. Well, and I guess it's because Americans too. They pick uh, different things out of countries. And they're like, oh, we like this. But then they, you know what I mean? Don't look at all the other shit. Like I know there's like a, a band right now. It was like a big TikTok song. But it was a Russian band. Mm-hmm. And all these people are like. It became like kind of a trendy thing, like all this different Russian stuff and like the Russian letters started showing up on clothes and like different stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like to get different stuff from there and be like, oh, I like that and that. But like, let's not glorify Russia because 
Russia as a whole, you just take out their fucking problems. All right? Just like that, here. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's also interesting with uh, the whole like who's the, who's America's enemy? Russia's <laughs> our enemy. No, the Chinese are our enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And conservatives are like, oh no, the Russians are great, and don't mm-hmm. you you know put down the Russians? And we didn't they didn't help Trump, you know, even though Trump mm-hmm. like. He has he has a fetish for uh, Eastern Europe and, yeah, and Russia for sure. For sure. And he, and he, his first his first wife was uh, from mm-hmm. the area. I mean, he he has a fascination mm-hmm. with with Eastern Europe. Well, and with lineage and whiteness, yeah. and you know, yeah. yeah. And but then like conservatives are like, no, the Chinese are are the villains. And, and my point is, well, they're both on equal ground because they both we have the biggest piece of the pie. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. potentially both a threat. Yeah, they're, they're both the same yes. level as a threat. <laughs> yeah. You, so you'll see the left, you'll see the left, but like, no, Russia's horrible, and China's pretty bad too. And then the right is just like, oh no, it's all China. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and another thing that's partially too. racial to me. Like, I feel like it's partially racial. It is racial. partially racial. Like, we can trust Russia better because... They're white. they're white folks. They, they... They look like us. Yeah, we can we can relate to them more. Like when you look at the graphic propaganda, and Russia has no love for us. No, fucking And if none. I was Russian, I have no love for America. Me neither. If yeah. I was China, I have no. If I was hey, because we, I'd be like, why do you have such a big piece of the pie? Yeah, you should give us more pie. Well, I think when you get down to the level of like the ninety nine percent in every country, like the Russian people are very hardy and have lived a traumatic, just like we have here. Like the actual Russian people have suffered a lot. Mm-hmm, and absolutely. I'm sure like people in China are living under totalitarian dictatorship. So I'm sure their life isn't great. Like when you get down to the, the actual people that live there. But when you talk about like the power structures that are there, right. the reason we started getting closer and closer and closer to Russia was because evangelical Christians in this country for decades been trying to get religion into the post-Soviet Union, which didn't frown upon Christianity. So, you know, Vladimir Putin and the people in charge right now are all for hierarchy, for oligarchs, a small 1% controlling the country that they have that in common with Trump and the Republicans. They believe in an upper elite controlling everything and people at the bottom, fuck them. Anti-gay. Anti-gay. Really? Mm-hmm. Super religious. So that's the element that is making the right wing in this country like praise Russia. Okay. And then as far as China, China's like anti-religion. So that's another reason for them to hate on them. But it is also the economic threat they pose. I wonder what Reagan... Because they're booing out of control. What do scary. Reagan-era Republicans... Country. Believe that shit. Because you think you get Reagan-era Republicans and they're like, oh yeah, we love the Russians now. That they'd be like, hold on. What? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev tearing on his wall. Like, that was the year I graduated high school when they tore down the wall between East and West Germany. And it was like... You know, musicians back then were going into Russia and performing concerts and Russian musicians were coming to America. And we were like, oh, my God, like rock music is bringing the countries together. But what happened was when the wall fell down and the Soviet Union collapsed, the elites that were in charge of the government became personal private elites, stole all the money from the government and became the rich oligarchs that controlled everything. So they went from being a terrible, poor Soviet style country to a very rich minority and a bunch of poor people. And like the Republicans here are like, hey, that's great. That's how hey, we, we want love it to be that. here. <laughs> we want some of that. Yeah. And Trump knew a lot of them personally. The Russian oligarchs that took all the money out of Russia, he like, you know, had a lot of connections to them a early on. So. Too. You almost had the tower in, in Moscow. But I think there's something very dangerous with uh, half the nation being like, oh, the Russians aren't so bad. They're like us. And the Chinese are the real threat. And the other half being like, the Russians are really bad. Mm-hmm. And kind of ignoring the Chinese, or or you know, giving a, giving a blind eye to to the Chinese um, government's mm-hmm. way of life. When I say Chinese, I don't mean the Chinese people. The Chinese government, 
way of life. Right, you know? yeah. Right. You want to make a huge um, um, line in the sand between governments and the people. Mm-hmm. Because the Chinese government is very fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah, Russian government is very fucking creepy. They're both terrifying. Creepy that, and that, that's what's scary to me is creepy. that America has become like this pawn of which sports team we're rooting mm-hmm. for between Russia and China. And I'm like, we should fear both of these. Yeah. And we don't, we don't want to, uh, you know what I mean, be taken over by one or the other. No. We should yeah. probably not be choosing sides well, like, here. Why are we afraid of being taken over? Because that kind of sounds to me like, we, you know, the whole thing about all oh, Mexicans are coming across the border to take us over. Like... No, I definitely don't want the Russian government or the Chinese government controlling anything that goes. No, on. but when my dad's like, "Oh, the Chinese got—they got infiltrators here. They're trying to—they're going to try to take over the government." I'm like, "Okay, well, normally when a country goes against another country to take it over, like through a war or something, it's to obtain the resources of that country, right, or to de- gain dominance over that territory." China, the biggest value that we have is our consumerism. Right. They absolutely. love that we buy their shit. They've already own us. Because we supply them Which is with all of their too. money. We were actually, actually just talking earlier about, I don't know if you guys have been reading any of this, like the Wuhan lab. Everybody's right. talking about like whether coronavirus really did come from um, an intentional or non-intentional release from uh, the Wuhan research lab. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even if it comes out 100% proof that they were, you know, manufacturing biological coronavirus, weapons. biological mm-hmm. weapons, and that it got out on accident. What recourse do we really think we're going to have? Well, that's the issue. Another thing that's, that's an interesting story, the, the Wuhan story, is because I think nobody in, in America saw how close this lab was was to the wet market and was like, there's no chance. And, you know, nobody in this government or in America fully trusted the, the Chinese government to tell mm-hmm. the truth about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to look at the dates, too, because I feel like this doctor was giving out, you know, like reports and said, hey, something's going on here before these lab workers went to the hospital. So I have to see what the dates those were. I think mm-hmm. those dates conflict. Like these lab workers were in the hospital after this doctor started reporting these these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Americans in that lab, I'm pretty sure. So it's likely this lab, they, they take in diseases. That's what they do is they study diseases. Mm-hmm. They, they take the bats and they dissect them and they see all these new diseases. Is it possible that uh, something spread? Possible. You know, somebody didn't wash their hands correctly, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, the whole argument like oh Trump was right this whole time was okay he was guessing right we mm-hmm. can't do policy and, right. and, and make moves out of guesses right. without evidence People, that's exactly today. when I brought that up today somebody said to me oh Trump was right and I was like listen Trump could have said a hundred different he ways. He says a this, lot of shit. He does, and he and then the one that ends up being right, he's like, "Look, I was right." Well, he yeah. praised yeah. China in the beginning. Remember, he praised them yeah. and said they were doing a great job because he was hoping they would keep it over there. And we still don't know. We still don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know anything yet. And I think a lot of people saw that like, "Hey, this is kind of a weird um, uh, coincidence, um, coincidence mm-hmm. that this is like five or six blocks away from this lab." Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have proof, then we'll listen to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Politicians I think it's, should not be preaching conspiracy before we have facts, yeah. first of all. And I think that's the thing about conservatives versus, you know, the left right now is like, hey, show me evidence. Show right. me proof. Right, right. Show me paperwork before we start saying this right. out loud. Right. This has real right. moral consequences. And now that you see that there, there's these reports coming out, even people like Fossey are like, okay, maybe we should look into this more. Mm-hmm. I can't say for sure. Right. Doesn't mean that Fossey wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. Fossey's a doctor. Fauci, 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 Fauci. Mm-hmm. yeah, I knew Fauci, yeah. Um, uh, 
You got to have evidence first. Oh, right. absolutely. Well, and the thing too is like, well, from past history, we know that um, all the countries agree, right? They're not going to make biological weapons, but there's literally no teeth in, in the in the, the agreement. And back in the 70s, uh, Russia was weaponizing anthrax and it escaped from one of their labs by accident. A bunch of people got sick and died. Um, and so what, what Russia did, they released another strain of anthrax because the outbreak was near the lab. So they released this other strain of anthrax like somewhere else and be like, no, 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 no. Look, it's all the way over here. The lab didn't have anything to do. They literally made other people sick to cover up their lab leak. So it wasn't on purpose, but this shit happens when you're messing around with, with viruses and whether the Chinese lab in Wuhan was like trying to actually cure, find a cure for a virus, like you're saying, maybe it accidentally happened. I don't, here's why common sense. I don't understand why if they wanted to damage us, why would it release in their country? Like, look right. how many of their oh, people I don't think don't, it was you know per, what I'm saying? Purpose. I think it was definitely no. an accident. If it, yeah. if it did come from there, it was absolutely accidental. Yeah, I, don't think accidental. It was, I don't think it was weaponized either. Was, I don't think so either. I think if you want to weaponize something like that, you make it way more um, efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't weaponize it in your own, in your, one of your biggest countries. Right. State, I mean, cities mm-hmm. in your country. Um, uh, it's, it's definitely possible, though. You know, what was interesting, too, is I don't know if we covered it on the podcast or not, but one thing that stuck out to me, and everybody kept calling me crazy, and I was like, no, seriously, look, 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 right here, look. In January of 2020, there was a news article posted on the Department of Justice's website, right, about this Dr. Charles Lieber, who was Mm -hmm. the, uh, like, a director of the chemistry and biomedicine department at Harvard, and he got arrested with mm-hmm. two Chinese nationals who they arrested in an airport that were carrying a bunch of vials of different mm-hmm. things that they couldn't identify and didn't know yep. what they were. Um, you know, and they they interrogated this guy about being involved with the Chinese government and like being a part of a program that he swore he wasn't a part of, mm-hmm. which then later that year in June, he was charged with lying because they were like, we prove that you're involved with the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. And you lied about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all this, you know, suspicious. And Canada I, had the same thing happen too. Wh- what is the deal with that? You, you think with all of this stuff going on and all the conspiracies that people could tout. Mm-hmm. And I'm like reading this article like, wow, this seems really relevant mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, and they didn't talk about it. And nobody talked yeah. about it. And, and like when I try to tell people that, I'm like, have you heard about this? Like, this is crazy, right? I haven't heard it on the news. Like nobody's talking. And they're like, oh, that's a conspiracy. I'm like, this is from the Department of Justice's website. I didn't yeah. just pull this off of some random ma- like rag. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is like, and th- the only two articles I can find about it are when it originally happened and in June of 2020 when he was charged with lying about mm-hmm. not being involved with the Chinese government. I that's all I can find on it. The American public has to be very cautious, very wary of any authoritarian government out there that these type of things can't slip out. Like information can get leaked and they don't have free press like in Russia and China. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we it's not like we hate the Russian people or the Chinese people. You know, I, I love Russian hip hop and, and you know, I love I love Chinese culture and all that. Um, once you have a government that can't leak or information can't get out, then they have an advantage in power yes. over over the world. Mm-hmm. So we have Putin that can kill any uh, political opponent or any um, uh, uh, media figure that goes against him. You have a da- dangerous country entity mm-hmm. there. If you have China that can lock anybody up for even looking weird, like looking like funny at somebody, or monitors every single person's like social media account, mm-hmm. then you have to take everything these countries say with a grain of sand. Yep. Mm-hmm. And realize that just because Russia might have wanted this President Trump to be into the White House doesn't mean pre- Russia has your best interests exactly. in common. Exactly. Just because Trump is pro-life. Right. Right. Because Russia has no doesn't they care. They don't give a fuck about they that. They don't care about 
America or or how you're doing with your family? Every country's out for their own best interest, which is which like is how things are. But like Saudi Arabia, like we never talk about Saudi Arabia either. Like they're Saudi no, Arabia is horrible. No. Oh, we love them though. Our government loves Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I mean, that was always something that confused me about 9-11. I can remember, you know, later, maybe like a preteen, I don't know, it was way after 9-11 happened, and I was like, so wait a minute, the people who were in the planes on 9-11 weren't from like Iraq or <laughs> Afghanistan? No, what do you mean? Like, I was, that was all so complicated, and I'm like, mm-hmm. we still love the Saudis. And still to this day, even Trump, who said he was going to release the names of the Saudis who funded the... The people that attacked on 9-11? He told, never did, yeah. He told the families, but they're under gag order to not release the names of the people that were fun. And I'm just like, why Who? Why are we protecting people that attacked, literally right. attacked our country? Like, it makes no sense. Because even though we pretend to be, I mean, we are militarily the most powerful country in the world, it's still a small, very small planet, and we rely on other people's cash and other people's money and the minerals and, and uh, people don't talk about how China has all these mines for these minerals for these these chips that we need in for Africa. Our, yeah, in Africa and also, but China has so many mines for these minerals for these microchips that we now um, require mm-hmm. we we depend on. Mm-hmm. So even though we talk a lot of shit, we talk big shit, and we act like you know we don't need anybody else and we can just cut off trade. And, <laughs> no, we have. Military we're bases across the country right. mm-hmm. because we're dependent. Right. Because mm-hmm. we need to have our hands in every region yes. of the world to, to control and, and hold on to our um, standard of living, which is way too high. Oh, yeah. And sure. I'd say that right now. So but fragile, dude. I am not willing to give up my standard. I have two fucking Xboxes <laughs> within 10 feet of each other. <laughs> you know, people in South America are still playing PlayStation 2. I could give up a lot, I think. I think. That was a culture shock when we went to even just the UK, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? UK's got a lot of shit, pretty developed, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Pretty close to what Americans have, but um, a lot of places didn't have air conditioning. And I was like, that's weird. And, like, people look at you like, fuck well, the Americans. Like, I know, but, like, they're, I think they have temp- more temperate climate than we do. They don't get, like, 100 degree, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's it gets true. Hot that's here. true, too. Like, hotter. Americans and definitely have a super lavish way of life, though, that other countries. No, I mean, right. even, we're even more spoiled. We're 100% spoiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are. Big time. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I think I could go with that a lot. I think I, I, I would be willing to give up a lot if it meant mm-hmm. I had free health insurance. You have to give your heads. Whatever I got to do. No, I think if I had health insurance, I would be willing dog. to. I'd be willing to give up a lot for the betterment of society as a whole especially the fucking nonsense like getting 99 cent all the dollar stores we have full of like chinese garbage that we really don't need you know all of that shit could go american wealth is we had these, these uh huge conflicts in in, in middle america and south america mm-hmm. funded by our drug money yep uh-huh for sure by our, like you know just by people that's spending money on illegal drugs like cocaine mm-hmm. that that are so bad they're such dangerous war zones that these people will travel Half a continent by foot and train to get up here, just to you know, to say, hey, like houses in your job? ghettos, right? Because you, <laughs> your money you sent down to uh, our drug cartels have made it so bad that living in your ghettos in America would be right. so much better than living where I'm at right now. Okay, and so I've been thinking about this too. Like, as we become a global, a global, uh, you know, economy. Okay, what you're saying about standard of living, 
is like uh, I knew like in the 80s that as our standard of living as other places in the world standard of living started to come up ours was going to go down why because all of our jobs were going to where there's cheaper labor so companies went out of the country to get to cheaper labor which means those countries are going to s- develop a little bit more ours is going to go down like that's just a natural you know phenomena but the borders trap the poor people so that companies can go like here to get poor people to work for nothing and here but once you start allowing migration hmm. oh my we can't allow migration that's why right-wingers hate migration it's really about keeping poor people in these isolated areas where they can put their company and make cheap so a lot of american retirees figured out from going on vacation do you go to mexico Man. costa rica your money is worth so much <laughs> right there's a local guy uh, he's a I'm not saying names, but he is known to people that kind of a shyster, and he goes to, to Mexico, Cancun all the time, mm-hmm. and he talks about how the, all the good things he does in Cancun. He's like, I'm already partying here and this and that, and uh, I had a friend tell me that somebody called his bluff, being like, "Dude, you're not shit. You spend 400 bucks there a month and live like that. Like you're mm-hmm. not. We know what it's like down there. Right, like, right. You're like spending like big yeah. bills. You couldn't do that in America. That's why you go right. to Cancun. Right. And so live big. Right. So like. Boomers here don't have any problem taking their social security checks and moving to Belize to retire because that shit's direct deposit and they can live like a king in Belize, right? But they don't want somebody from Honduras coming up to America to try and work because they're like, oh, they want to work in America because they can make more money and send it back home. It's like, okay, bitch, but you're taking your money and sending it to their country, but it ain't right for them to come up here and get that same dollar and send it back to their family living there. That is utter hypocrisy that's all it is we love that in america too super hypocritical we love hypocrisy well we're about a time is there anything else what i know crazy right we should end at a positive i don't have a funny animal story to tell what my stonks are up um five like i'm up a thousand dollars in my stonks i haven't checked mine although did you guys know that uh dogecoin is now on coinbase yeah so that's good amc strong all my apes out there let's get this squeeze (laughs) <laughs> I really need the squeeze. I need some money. I really need the squeeze. I need this money. I have like one share of AMC. When I bought it, uh, Robinhood was doing this thing where they were limiting everything. Yeah. So I could, I got like one. I was like, wow, what a waste of time. Yeah, I'm up at like 900 right now. Uh, and I'm pretty pumped. Damn. So wait, do we mention about the UFOs? No, like you didn't. The, no, didn't. Okay, so the, the government came out with their big much awaited ufo report and told us that they don't fucking know anything so i <laughs> yeah. hate anybody who hasn't seen it spoiler too late i fucking just told you you guys kept calling me you're like did you see it they're gonna release it and i'm like yeah you know what i was gonna say not jack shit they don't well, tell us anything i kind of cool. knew that because the news was kind of like they don't you tell know, us they, nothing cool they get stuff gets leaked before it comes out and so they were acting like whoa it's probably not gonna say this probably gonna say that but they're lying they're covering shit up so that's typical Oh, yeah, I wanted to mention, too, because you just said leaks. Uh, If I got to hear one more fucking person talk about the Fauci email leaks that are not leaks at all. No, they're released by Freedom of Information. FOIA requests are not leaks. They allowed them to be released. That's not a fucking leak. (laughs) God, do you call call your faucet a leak? No. So the UFO report said nothing, but we do have um, killer drones now. um, That's not new. This was on businessinsider.com. But the killer drone hunted down a human target without being told to do so. Oh, my God. It's scary as fuck. Yeah. So, right. To, and you can read that article because I'm not going to go into it on businessinsider.com. Very scary. You got AI drones like attacking, shit. killing people without instructions to do that. so. 
That was... Um, Sounds efficient. It was called, it's called the Cargo 2 drone. Yeah, they got somebody else's job. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, you can look that up because we don't have time to go into it. And um, They're like, all oh, these veterans are starting to want health care. Nah, replace them. Robots. We'll make decisions now. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric Prince, who we've talked about many times on the show. Blackwater guy, right? Blackwater guy is now getting into vaccines. That's fucking scary. No, thank you. And um, last but not least, Elon Musk's partner, Grimes. Um, is she a singer? Ah, fucking something. I don't know. She, she's Elon Musk's girlfriend. That's all that matters. I don't know much about uh, Elon Musk, though, to be honest. He's a shitbag, too. She has a message for communists. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, so she's telling communists to um, support artificial intelligence, right? Mm, yeah. Yes, thank you, very rich lady who cannot, uh, you know. Well, the point is, sooner or later. Link to me at all. Like machines, we're gonna be able to do all of our jobs, and we can all sit back and. Isn't it super dystopian though that people are scared that robots are gonna take it? Like, oh, can you imagine a society where robots did all our job? We wouldn't have to work. Why are we fucking afraid of that? How do we get paid? UBI. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man, I don't know, but like, listen, this is not, you know, I, I, I like the idea, but Doug geez. and I were having an argument the other day when we were at Walmart. He was so pissed because I we at Walmart. I don't remember something for maybe it wasn't Walmart. I don't know. Somewhere with self checkouts It's somewhere with self checkouts. And um, he said something about, oh, no, we were at Walmart. He stopped in there and got something. And they, they had these self checkouts. I was like, this is exactly why I don't fucking shop here anymore. Because remember way back when we first got the Walmart in Marshall County, like I was like a kid and they threatened then that they were going to start putting in uh self-checkout machines because people wanted higher wages mm-hmm. and i was like hold the fuck up like what mm-hmm. and we've seen now as time has gone on that minimum wage has staggered and yet they continue to replace these jobs anyway so i'm like this shit was all a sham you know what i mean right yeah this now is, i love exactly how they're calling I don't it like a Walmart. worker shortage and i read an article today to sean and it said um you know, businesses um, businesses offer higher wages in a desperate attempt to attract workers. And I'm like, what? What? They they fucking figured it out. Oh, oh my, my god. god! You actually have to pay people like real, like actual money, not good poverty money? wages. I mean, to come have, on. Uh, yeah, it's fucking insane. I I am making it a point too to not frequent any businesses that make any kind of public message about nobody wants to work anymore. You instantly just lost my fucking business. So Fuck she you. says, Grimes says, if implemented correctly, artificial intelligence could theoretically solve for abundance. Shut up, fucking Grimes. What do you know? You know what? Empathy could could solve for abundance, too. But we don't have any much of that. That's what we need for abundance. Yeah, why don't you just tell Elon and all his buddies to pay their fucking taxes and so, I, probably I, solve a lot of problems, too. Yeah. But. So sorry to have a happy day to end on, but I that can't. was all of our stories. I'm happy to be here. I fucking hate it. I hate when he, people compare Elon Musk to uh, Iron Man, too. They're like, he's like the real-life Iron Man. I'm like, no, he isn't. No. Shut up. No. Absolutely not. Do not make that comparison. He's a good investor. That's it. That's literally it. Like, he didn't even create Tesla. Like, yeah. The people oh. that like Elon Musk like remind me of what the theoretical Bernie bro was supposed to be, but never really was. It was kind of like a fantasy that, that all these young guys like were Bernie bros. Remember that? Yeah, I never met a, a, a no, quote No, like I, it was bro. a completely made up thing that there were all these white, young white male chauvinist guys that were, that loved Bernie. Oh, yeah, like, where? It was like ridiculous, but like I picture that to be like the Elon Musk crowd. A lot of Yang people were all about uh, Elon Musk. I was really shocked by Yang too. He made all those pro-Israel comments, and I was like, 
Bruh. Well, he's running for the mayor of New York. Yeah. Bruh. That's a huge voting block. Uh, yeah, that's a what? big voting block there. I he retracted it pretty I think that was very calculated. That was definitely a political move. Oh, for sure. But I'm just like, bruh. I thought we like, you know what I mean? I kind of had him in the ring of like, oh, maybe you're not like all these older politicians. Like you're taking a new, very progressive route. And it's like, no, you just totally fucked that all up, man. What yeah. is that about? Playing the games. I think it was definitely calculated on his part. I don't know if he actually has like strong, like most Americans have strong views on the uh, conflict. Like he's never mentioned it in any of the, uh, his rally stops or any, uh, um, uh, you know, discussions or debates. No, nah, like, couldn't have brought it up before now. No, right. Yeah, no. Suddenly, the, you know, you're running for the mayor of New York and you have this huge voting block and, and they have a lot of influence. And the most yeah. well-known Jew in the Senate was Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's pro-Palestine, yeah. Yeah, he's for Palestine, so there mm-hmm. you go. That. I know. That is strange. I mean, Bernie, not man. really. Like, who knows persecution but Jewish people, right? That's true. So. That's true. I mean, there are a lot of Jewish people, though, Jewish organizations and groups that are, leftist, that, are, yeah. that are completely pro-Palestine, mm-hmm. and they think it's wrong what's happening there. So, I mean, it's not to say... I think a lot of this talk about Palestine and Israel has been going on recently, which I kind of always like had some background in because it was something you were passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I was like always aware that that shit was going on. But I feel like a lot of my peers are learning about it for the first time. And I'm like, all right, well, let's be careful about the conversation we're having here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because we're not turning this into a Jew hating conversation. That's not what this is. Right. Like we don't really hate Jews. Fast, you know? Yeah. Like, let's not uh, be sure who your enemies are here. We're not yeah. saying that all Jewish people are the enemy. It's just the just the ones that are trying to kill other people to take their house. Well, it doesn't have anything right. to do with them being Jewish. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's important to throw out that uh, Israel is a country. Right. And as a country, they have policies. They have uh, military policies, defense policies, a budget, special interests. Um, resource interests, you know, and they will act like any other country. Um, just because I criticize what a country does doesn't mean I'm going to criticize exactly. a- ethnicity. You know, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't criticize or ask people if they're uh, Islamophobic because because they criticize something Iran did. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Even though um, they're very uh, theatrical countries, um, I think it's very unfair to throw that out there. Now, I will say, anything, any country, you know, it's a lot of, it happens a lot in the Middle East and all these countries, is when you stop talking about policy. I can understand um, conflict over resources and land, but once you start talking about prophecy and, yeah. and, and uh, stuff like that, um, you lose me, no matter who you are. Yep, and, same. And it happens way too often. It does. Especially in, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I have it's a lot no of hope just, that it's no better than a justification that white man, like the whole idea that manifest destiny, like white man came to the Americas and it was God wanted us to be here. And so it was our job to basically, you know, get rid of these Indians over here. And like, it was a whole religious, like racist, a whole, it was a whole philosophy that was driving the whole idea. It's like, well, yeah, God brought us here and we're supposed to do this. And it's like, that's what a horrible. Yeah, I seriously, so, I, I have hope for this country one day that we will eventually get to a place where it's like we don't shove religion into things. It it grosses me out how often I'm like, you know, people have freedom to choose what religion they want to be here, but yet it's like so inundated in our politics and everything. And it's like it'll be nice when we actually have a president that's like doesn't say a prayer, or say God bless or whatever, because they're just like that's religious and this that's not part of my job. It's yeah. amazing. That'd be right? nice. How far the far right, especially the, the uh, um, evangelical, evangelical Christian movement, mm-hmm. um, sides with Israel over um, prophecy, and uh, not uh, out of any true care for the, the Jewish people or, or what they want, is because you know 
this is going to drive, this is going to bring Jesus back home faster. And uh, some um, really uh, shady actors in Israel totally take advantage of that. Oh, for oh, sure. sure. Oh, we'll take your money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Whatever you want to. Yeah, we're on yours. And it's a little shady on their part. This is a very small, small um, minority in Israel. Um, but it's no worse, I mean, than any of the other countries being like, you know, Israel shouldn't be there. We have to destroy it from the country, I mean, from the map, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what Allah would want. We need to. Right. Yeah. There's and, so much oh, man, so religious sh- hate is crazy. I just, I don't want ah, religion. Um, <laughs> I love it as long as, long as it's not hurting anybody. Right. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. all I am too. I'm all for people having something to believe in. If it's like, if I've learned anything and in, in showing my interest in philosophy, it's, it's just like people who have religion can have so many other fulfillments and pursue so many other things if they just have this thing they can hold on to and it's good that's excellent Mm -hmm. i wish everyone had something like i tell that to people all the time when they like criticize that i don't like believe in god or anything and i'm like i I, I, if i could find it and Mm -hmm. make myself believe it that would be excellent i wish i could believe it. i just don't i just can't i can't fake it either i can't fake it i can't be like oh yeah totally believe and deep down i don't believe somebody said accused me that the other day like hating religious people mocking religion i'm like i don't as long as they're not hurting anyone yeah i hate the talk i used to i i I am shitty to religious people who are hurting other people yeah right if they're not then i don't care in the name of religion yeah right well i think there's a time maybe 10 years ago where uh, you know you you, uh pivot and i lose religion and and you used to look back and you, I kind of get angry at all the things I believed in and, and things I was told and the things I saw about, you know, donations and, and treating other people poorly and this and that. And you get angry and you start, you know, getting a little bit too high mighty, you know, high on your horse and start asking, like, why, how can you believe in this? And why do you believe in it? Like, you know, and you want to disprove, you want people to come over to your side. And after a while, I just realized I'm just being a douchebag. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, this makes people happy, and if they don't hurt anybody, right, and it it hasn't hurt them, then let them have it. You know, right. who am I to say what's real and what's what's not real? Right. Um. So, yeah, good for them. That's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I just don't like when people bring it into things that affect everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you start dr- bringing that shit into political policies and pushing it on other people, and it's just like, no, 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 we don't do that here. Like, we're not supposed to do that here. Yeah. You know? Well, what Jermaine said, I was like midway through a big, uh, you know. I don't want to lecture whatever you want to say to my grandmother about how a lot of the Catholic holidays are based on pagan holidays and historically like I went into this big spiel about it and like I just saw this look on her face like she was you know getting upset and she goes well you can't tell me miracles don't happen because you know when my kids were little and they were sick and I prayed and I believe God answered me or whatever and I was just like what the fuck am I doing like why am I trying to steal that away from her and so you know, when Jovi was dating a girl and he wanted me, he, he, she was very religious and he wanted me to have a talk with her about religion. I said, I will never have that conversation with somebody. Yeah, no. Because I said that is what they believe. AA, that's dude. sacred to me, even if, you know, I don't believe it. Whatever, I criticize that's... AA and NA and the 12 steps and all that shit because that shit didn't work for me. And I just like think a lot of, I think the, a lot of the ways that people try to spread it to other people, they don't realize how toxic and harmful they are. But I, I'm always very clear to tell people. I'm glad that that tw- this twelve stuff you, exists. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that people have a higher power. I'm super glad for all of I that. Wish it's I had excellent. That but I just that didn't work for me. And when those people turn toxic towards you because it doesn't work for you, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to attack you because it works for you. So don't attack me because it doesn't work for right, me. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that that's where the the difference is. But it's, no, I don't fucking fault people for having that. Good for them. Mm-hmm. I mean. So even though like I see people like I know so many people that start going to this uh, the church in Bridgeport, the, the big mega church. 
and I see their posts, and you know, part, part of me wants to roll my eyes and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh God!" But then it's just like, you know, grow up. It's not, you know, let them be happy. Let them have this. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not religious, but I always tell people, I never read anything in the Bible that Jesus said that was a bad thing. And I think if everybody would live the way that He asked people to live, the world would be like such a better place. Oh, for sure. So, I don't think it's the a Old bad Testament, not so much, but <laughs> yeah, I never forget the story. My brother told me if he uh, he pissed off a a group of people at a church because he, he went to a church cookout and uh they were all like had all this food and they were you know throwing away all this food and telling people i'll take food home with you because it's like we made too much and we're telling him to make another plate eat and blah 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 eat as, eat as much as you can and he said i thought gluttony was a sin like shouldn't we be donating this somewhere or something? and everybody was so pissy because they're like oh this fucking guy <laughs> but it's like he was new to the church thing and he was just confused like I mean, right. honestly, by what you say, like, shouldn't we not do this? Shouldn't we do that in our actions? Right? And then, like, I don't remember if it was a preacher or pastor or what, you know, they have all these different names for them. But he was like, I'm not getting involved in this. So I kind of <laughs> joked about it. But I'm like, man, I feel you because that's that's how I feel about it. But but anyway, now that we've run over our time, <laughs> just getting off on all these tangents, you know. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I'm adopting that policy. Yes. I'm happy from Jermaine. To be here. I've just been saying that so much. I'm just happy to be here. That's it. Who did I say that and to? We're oh, all I happy for I said, everybody who came here to move. I said, I ain't shit the other day. And I was like, from the wise words of Jermaine, I ain't shit. Like, it's a good, it's a good motto, man. Check your ego. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. I uh, hope to have you back on again soon, Jermaine. I'm glad you came. I'm yeah. glad you guys had me again. Definitely makes it so much better. It does. It does. All right. Well, this is Juke signing off. This is Mick signing off. Um, goodbye. <laughs>